Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of Heck of a Morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. It is Thursday. June 23rd, 2022. Appreciate everybody in this room right now who has jumped on once again for the third day in a row. We'll go again tomorrow to make it an even four days in a row. And it has been a crazy week indeed. It continues to be crazy. We have three events tomorrow. Bellator is back. PFL is back. BKFC is back. And then Saturday, the UFC is back as well. For UFC Vegas 57, that card headlined by Armand Sarukian versus Matush Gamrat. Bellator card, really good. Headlined by Gegard Mousasi versus Johnny Eblen. I believe we're going to have some boots on the ground for PFL tomorrow. Our own Jed Bashu, I believe, will be there in person for all of the PFL festivities. And it should be a lot of fun. Jed will also be on BTL later on today. His opponent, UFC Bantamweight Randy Costa, who just got himself a fight booked for October. So they will banter back and forth about all the happenings in the wonderful world of mixed martial arts. So we can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about today because that's what the show is all about. But I guess the main topic is the one you can read Right at the top of this Twitter space page, the title of this episode for the live stream, if you guys want to chime in on that. Who has the best card of the weekend? Which card is the best card of the weekend? Is it the UFC with UFC Vegas 57? Is it that card? Is it PFL 5 going down tomorrow in Atlanta, GA? I'm pulling up all the cards right now. Is it Bellator 282 
with Musasi Eblin for the middleweight title. Leandro Ego, Danny Sabatello, Magomed Magomedov, Enrique Barzola, the two Grand Prix matchups to round out the opening round of the Grand Prix. The Ego-Sabatello matchup obviously has a lot of heat on it, a lot of craziness there, a lot of chatter from both sides. And the winner of that fight will go on to face Rafian Stotts for the interim Bellator Bantamweight next round of the Grand Prix. Or is it BKFC 26, which goes down in Hollywood, Florida, the Seminole Hard Rock? We have Luis Palomino versus Elvin Brito for the 170-pound title. Jimmy Rivera is making his BKFC debut against Howard Davis. Beck Rawlings versus Britton Hart. Number two is on that card, and it should just be a fun, fun slate of fights. BKFC... Always puts on some decent cards. So who has the best fight card on paper? That's the main topic of the day, but we can talk about whatever we talk about. Let's kick things off with Tristan Gordet. James is on deck. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. What's going on? How's everything? How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Um, possibly, I think probably Bellator might have the best card, to be honest. And then and then the UFC and then PFL, I believe, in that order, if I'm not. I'm thinking about it right now because I'm like looking at the cards and I'm looking at Bellator and Bellator looks like fire. That's like a fire card. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, it's loaded. Absolutely. Um, my question is um, what's, what's your low key banger for the UFC for this Saturday's fight night card um, with um, Gamrot and um, Sarukian? I have two. I have Christos uh, Giles versus Tiago Moises and then I have on the prelims to open it up, Vanessa Demopoulos versus Jin Yu Fry. Um, I, I think those two fights are going to be very competitive. And then I was looking at Tiago Moises and Chris Gigago's, um resume. Moises' resume is absolutely insane. Jed Mishu was uh, mentioning in that with, uh, on No Bets Bar of how like they, they fought some some big, some elite, pros, elite fighters here. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Tiago Moises already fought Joel Alvarez, Islam, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Demir Ismakulov, he's already fought, Benil Tariush, which I think was Moises' first first fight, his debut, which is insane. And then Chris Giagos, you know, he's been around for a while, too. He's already fought Harmon Sarukian, Jericar Close, Charles Oliveira. I'm like, yo, this is going to be a competitive fight here. So I like that fight. And then... um. Vanessa Demopoulos and Jinyu Fry, I think that's going to be competitive as well. I think Jinyu Fry is coming off like uh, two wins, two unanimous decisions. And then Vanessa Demopoulos, we saw her last fight, how good she looked. So those are my low-key bangers. What are yours, Mike? And have a heck of a morning. Thank you for everything. Peace. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, great question. There's a bunch on here. This isn't UFC Austin on paper, but if you really look at it, there's a lot of potential fun matchups here. You would have to think that the one that really stands out is Chris Curtis, Rodolfo Vieira. I don't know how much that one is flying under the radar. Umar Darbaga Madoff, can he remain undefeated? Nate Manis has been on a nice streak. That's a good one. But if we're going low-key, I like the Jin Fry vanessa Demopoulos idea. I think Mario Batista, Brian Kelleher's good. I mean, a lot of these fights. Cody Durden, JP Bays, that's a big one for JP. It's no secret what this man has been going through, and... 
he needs a win badly. Cody Durden's coming off that devastating loss to Muhammad Mahayev. I think the, the answer I'm going to go with, though, and it ain't going to be the prettiest fight of all time, and it ain't going to be the most technically sound, but it's got to be a banger. Tafan and Chukwe versus Carlos Ulberg just has fireworks written all over it. And like I said, it's not going to be, you're not going to paint a beautiful portrait of that fight, but those two are just going to get in there and throw bombs at each other until somebody falls down. So that should be a lot of fun. But there's a lot of low-key bangers on this card. It should be a fun one. It's not the sexiest fight card on paper, but it should be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see what AK's gymnastic scale will be on that on the preview show tomorrow. But something tells me that whatever it is, it's either going to match or maybe it overexceeds because there's some really fun under the radar fights on this one. Let's get James McDonald in here. James, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. Indeed. What's up, buddy? Well, firstly, I'm going to say the UFC card is the best because I hadn't even heard about the Bellator card until you told us about it yesterday. <laughs> So they need to do something about that. They really do. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, well, do you follow college wrestling at all? Not really. I mean, I, I kind of know what's going on with some of the bigger names, but our guy for the college wrestling is Damon Martin. He is all over that stuff. Okay. Well, I am from Iowa, so, you know, got to follow Hawkeye wrestling. Uh, it's one of the only things we've got, I guess. So, um, what I what I've always wondered is why more of these wrestlers with you know the elite pedigrees don't seem to end up going the MMA route after their collegiate careers. But um, you know, with Gable Stevenson flirting with it to an extent, uh, I think he made the right move going to WWE. But maybe we'll see him in the future. But then you've got Bo Nickel, three time NCAA champ, most recently at one ninety seven. You know, and just made his MMA debut at middleweight where he won by KO in spectacular fashion in 33 seconds. Uh, then I really got my juices flowing when I saw that video of Bilal training with Roman Bravo Young, who is a two-time NCAA champ. Both these guys from Penn State, Bo and Roman. Uh, he won it at 133 and he's returning for one more year at Penn State, probably going to get a third. But I'm not sure if you saw, he just signed an NIL deal with an MMA manager, uh, Dave Martin. So he's likely going to be on his way to the MMA soon enough. What I was wondering is, you know, with the increasing popularity of the UFC, do you think more of these wrestlers with these elite pedigrees end up going the MMA route after their collegiate careers? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because a lot of the wrestl a lot of the ones with wrestling pedigrees who have come over to MMA, they all have said that the reason they chose MMA is that you can only go so far in that sport really. Like you go to the Olympics, you could go to all you know, you could compete for, for world championships. There's different kinds of grappling competitions, there's all these different things. But if you really want to get those competitive juices flowing, MMA is the way to go. Now, some of these wrestlers, they go through college and they go through and they take it as far as they can. And they're just like, okay, I've got my fill. I'm moving on to other things. Maybe I'll become a salesperson or maybe I'll become a commentator. I'll do this. I'll do that. 
there's lots of directions that these individuals can take because you have to have a lot of discipline, a lot of patience, and you have to have an incredible work ethic to go that far in the world of wrestling. So that mentality could take you pretty much anywhere. But yeah, I think, I, I think we'll still see more guys come over. Bo Nichols seems to be the one on everybody's radar right now. That pro debut is sensational. He hasn't even really had to wrestle at all in any of his fights. He's just bolting people in vicious fashion from the amateur runs to his pro debut. And apparently he's going to get in front of some UFC folk because he's going to be part of Jorge Mazadal's team for that UFC fight pass invitational that's going on the day after UFC 276. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from there. But yeah, I think we'll see. I think we'll continue to see this influx of of wrestlers making their way over and signing nil deals is, is a good call maybe that means going to rest maybe that means going to mma maybe it means going to wwe i mean that's what gable stevenson did i don't know if i, th- I think gable's maybe managed by dave as well so that could go a number of different directions but yeah i mean the future is bright for a lot of these wrestlers coming over and then some of them who just transitioned to grappling and are having a lot of success in the grappling department, they just love grappling. They feel like that sport, that mix, that non-mixing of the martial art is, is primed to just really take off and really explode. And I feel like it's so close with all these events they've had. Submission Underground, Flow does a lot of different things. There's different ones with UFC fighters that they put together. So we'll see. But I think MMA will continue to be very healthy with a lot of these wrestlers coming over and and just evolving in that way. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's get Don Kuzan in here. 
Don, what's hey, up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Mike? Man, I'm back for round two. You know what I'm saying? I had two things to say. Uh, with really three, but the first one was just a comment. I've seen Kevin Holland post that he want to fight Nate Diaz. Do it. Do it, UFC. Do it. That's a scrapper fight right there. Do that, please. I want to see that. But um, I wanted to talk about Joaquin Bugley. Joaquin Bugley, man. Um, what do you? How, how do you feel about him? I liked uh, how he handled himself in uh, the most recent fight at Austin. Because he was very poised. He was a very poised Joaquin Buckley. In the beginning, I thought, you know, like, just in his career in general after that, Kevin Hall, I know he's on, like, a three-fight win streak right now, but I thought he was going to be kind of those guys that like to chat a little bit and they get distracted. Like, obviously, uber-talented, but, like, can get distracted through the trash talk and the work and the, the mental warfare. But he handled himself very well in that fight, very poised. He just straight beat up that man, you know what I mean? Calculated. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. And then my um, – so I want to know your opinions on, on Joaquin, how far you think he's going to go. Um, and my second thing is there's a lot – it's a surging prospect chain right now. It's kind of like an NBA, how, like, there's so many young uh, basketball players that's going to go on and be the future and carry that uh, organization. Same goes for MMA. There's so many prospects everywhere, and they're all young. They're all so young. So I want to know for you, who gets the Triple H, I'm just that damn good award uh, for you out of prospects? Who's that – person that's like this guy he's just that damn good um but as always man have a too sweet day and a heck of a morning to you thanks man the joaquin buckley performance so we were asked on the people's pre-fight show if we saw joaquin buckley as as a top 10 guy in the middleweight division and i disagreed with that i didn't think it was possible i thought he was gonna lose to albert Jariath. Casey liked Buckley as well, who I think just jumped on as well. And he wasn't as high on Buckley. AK Lee, who is also here is pretty high on Buckley said that he felt like he's definitely a top 10 guy. I'm still not ready to say he's going to be a top 10 guy, but that performance against Albert Jariah has me thinking a little bit more. I didn't give that man the credit he deserved. I apologize for putting it out there. If you bet money, which apparently some people did based on our opinions, which you should never do anyways, they were going to back Buckley. They went to Ryev and maybe they lost money and they were really mad apparently. And sorry, dude, I don't know what to tell you, but Buckley looked great in that fight. He looked great. Looks like all the pressures of those big finishes over Impa Saganai, Jordan Wright. He felt a lot of pressure heading into that Alessia DeCurico fight. And then he got bolted in just over two minutes with that, with that head kick that knocked him dead, but he's come back and looked good since the Antonio Hoyo fight. I thought he was losing that fight until the knockout in the third round. It was a different approach to the Abdul Razak Al Hassan win, getting a split decision. It was it was a pretty close fight, and then this performance against Alba Derive was was the best performance of his career by far. It was really impressive. He looked sensational, and I just love the patience behind it. He can. It was like he tapped into his inner new wave Justin Gaethje in a way. Like, not the Gaethje we saw maybe in the Oliveira-Chandler fights, but the Gaethje we saw in, in, in some of the other performances that he had. The the Cerrone one really sticks out to me where he's still bringing it, he's still throwing big shots, but he's a little more tactical about it, he's a little more timely about it, he's a little more patient about it, and he looks sensational. Drive is, is no joke. That was a great, a great win, a great performance. And what I thought was the most interesting about that whole thing and maybe you saw this on MMA Fighting or on my Twitter, 
they ruled this fight a third round TKO win for Joaquin Buckley, which I thought was so weird since the third round didn't actually start. Both guys were there. Buckley was ready to take on Darius Cornerman, it looked like. And then the doc comes in and he stops the fight. So technically, it should have been a second round TKO at five minutes. I spoke to the Texas Commission and they said, well, technically, the round started and we don't have a mechanism. We don't have a mechanism to stop the time or stop the round after we deem that it started. And when they stopped it, it was 10 seconds. It was 10 seconds after the doctor came in, stopped it, and that's when they stopped the clock. So it was the third round TKO. But it was just really bizarre, really strange. As far as the prospects go, everyone knows how high I am on Armand Sarukian. That's been sort of the gold standard for me. But to go a different direction, because you don't want to hear me just talk about Sarukian again, it's Mohamed Bahayev. I think not only is he going to be the flyweight champion, I think in the next four or five years, he'll be a guy carrying two titles. I think he'll be the flyweight champion. And I think he'll just have such success there that he's going to jump up to 135 and he'll be the Bantamweight champion as well. I think he, I, I think that highly of him. And then maybe the bronze medalist, Casey O'Neill. I've been incredibly high on her well before she was in the UFC. Before she made her UFC debut, I waxed poetically about just that incredible pace she puts on, that relentlessness. And that's going to only take her so far. But now the rest of her skill set is starting to come into play. I know a lot of people are looking at the Roxanne Matafari fight, but I also, for such a young athlete like Casey O'Neill, to go into a fight like Roxanne and have no attention on you whatsoever, all the questions are not about you and what you're going to do. It's all about Roxanne and her last fight and her retiring. And that's a lot of pressure for a 24-year-old fighter fighting at the highest level in the game going into a fight like that. It's got to be a lot of pressure. And she had, was admittedly frustrated by it. And she went out there, did the damn thing. Roxanne's not an easy win whatsoever. And she went out there and won. And then I would have favored her to finish Jessica I next Saturday. But unfortunately... We have the knee injury and the surgery, so she's going to be out for a while. So Macy Barber gets that opportunity. But right now, as it stands, those are the three, but very prospect-heavy right now. There's a lot to be excited about. Let's get KFA 47 in here. Clearest values, you're on deck. And then Brent. KFA, what's up? I don't hear anything, KFA. Try again. Unmute, maybe. All right, try to request again, KFA. I'll put you right in there. All right, clearest values. Good morning. How are we doing? Good, how are I'm you? I'm doing real well. Um, so to answer the question in the title of this, I am by far the most excited for the Bellator card this weekend. Obviously, I think Armand versus, um, versus uh, Gamrot's going to be a banger. But, like, when I look at this Bellator card, there are exciting fighters throughout the entire thing. Um, you know, the return of Cody Law, even, like, Aaron Jeffrey, who I feel like was always kind of on the cusp of being in the UFC but never really got it. Tokov, I think, is a is a banger. Kat Zingano's there. Like, there are really exciting fights. And then, obviously, you have the Grand Prix. And then I think people are kind of sleeping on Johnny Eblen. I think he has a serious chance of beating Masasi, I would put Eblen somewhere in like the top 15 middleweight somewhere in the world. I don't know exactly where he fits in, but I would think it's kind of in that like Mooney's till hall 
space somewhere. And I'm kind of curious how you would rank Eblin among the elites in the world, because I really do think he's up there. Thanks, buddy. I like this Bellacor, Bellator, excuse, Bellacor, this Bellator card a lot as well. Prelims are great. Mandel Nalo is in the first fight against Bryce Logan and Aaron Jeffrey. ER, Cody Lozback, James Gonzalez, the fun fighter. The return of Alejandro Lara, take it on. Ilara Jawani, Sabah Hamasi, Makon Mendonca should be fun. Anatoly Tokov, Muhammad Ubdala, Katzengano, Pam Sorensen is a fight with some pretty high stakes in that featherweight division. Brent Primus, Alexander Shabley is a really good fight. That should be on the main card. It is not. I understand why Brennan Ward's on the main card. What a story. He's back fighting Cassius Kane, Lucas Brennan, Johnny Soto. Lucas Brennan just hasn't even looked like he's te- been, like broken a sweat at all in any of his fights. Dan Moret, Killis Mota should be fun. We mentioned the Brennan Ward fight. And then the Grand Prix fights, Magomed Magomedov, Enrique Barzola should be good. Leandro Ego, Danny Sabatello is the fight of the card, in my opinion. There's just so much meat on that bone. Danny Sabatello, love him or hate him. This guy has put so much interest on this event, more so than the main eventers. He has done a fantastic job at least getting people to care whether you want to see him continue this, this emergence he's on right now of the trash talk and the performances, or if you want to see Leandro Ego go out there and just beat the brakes off of him, he is making you care, and he's doing that better than maybe anybody in the promotion right now. And then Musasi Eblin, which is the main premise of this question, Eblin, I think, because we had John Salter against Musasi, that was because he's been pretty active here. It's been a while. It took him a couple of years. It was like one fight a year. He's getting a little frustrated about that. But now this is his third fight and not that long of a time. Musasi versus Salter. And then we have Musasi versus Vanderford, who is, you know, coincidentally enough, a teammate of Johnny Eblin. And then we have Johnny Eblin stepping in. And I feel like Eblin is, is a better version of of both of those guys that I previously mentioned. However, unless Johnny has just this really stunning, surprising game plan that we just don't see coming, I just don't think he wins this fight. I think Musasi has basically been preparing for the same guy for three straight fights. And I feel like Eblin is the best version of this fighter that Musasi has had three consecutive training camps to prepare for. So Eblin can crack. There's no doubt about it. He can wrestle his ass off. His top control is really good. But Musasi is just such a big, strong guy. He's so big for this division. And I think people don't realize just how big and strong he is until they actually get in there with him. So I think my read on this, at least for right now, is that Musasi will get him out of there before the championship rounds. But if Ebel went out there and just wrestled Musasi, perfectly timed takedowns, used the striking to shoot singles or double legs and is able to get Musasi down and keep him grounded and tire him out a little bit. Maybe he can grind out a decision. But my initial read on this fight is that Eblin is game. He tries his ass off. Maybe he gets a takedown early, but I think Musasi will make those adjustments. He'll figure it out. And I think he'll probably put Johnny away. Cause again, you look at Gegard's experience, you look at his age and not only life, but fight years. And you think that maybe he's starting to fade a little bit. Maybe the strength, the athleticism isn't where it once was. And then you get in there with them and you realize, oh shit, this guy is uh, this guy's as good as everybody who has previously fought him says he is. So it's an intriguing fight. I just think, I think Musasi just has that style 
pretty much on lock at this point. All right, let's try Kefe, and then Brent, you're on deck. Kefe, are you there? Yo. Yo. We got hey, you. three things. Thank you for being here. I love the show. Uh, number two, Holland and Diaz is the fight to make. And number three, happy birthday, AK. <laughs> Thank you, Kefe. Yes, I forgot to mention the previously asked Kevin Holland, Nate Diaz idea. As you saw, Kevin Holland is throwing his name in the proverbial hat. As he should, by the way. As he should. Do I think that fight happens? Absolutely not. I don't think that fight happens. It would make sense. People would go gaga over it. I just don't think it happens. I don't know why. I just don't think it happens. I think I think if Nate is going to fight, it's going to be the two names that have been pretty much attached to him from Jump Street since this whole thing started. It's going to be Poirier or it's going to be Shamayev. I think that's sort of the two-man punch, if you will. No pun intended. Holland will be super fun. I just don't think it happens. Hopefully I'm wrong because I would love to see it. I'd love to see the build to that fight. Make it a five-rounder. Why not? If you want to put... Nate should be on that 278 card against anybody. If you want to do Holland, fine. If you want to do Poirier, great. Shmaev, awesome. Like anybody. Just throw him on that card. Let him fight out his deal. Let's call it a day. Let him move on. Or maybe he just has such a great time that he's like, you know what? I want to box Jake Paul, but I don't need to. I like it here. You guys are treating me great. You're giving me what I want. You booked me a fight when I've asked for it. I mean, maybe it wasn't the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, 20th, 30th, 800th, 900th, 1400th time I asked for a fight. But you, you eventually gave me what I wanted. So maybe I'll stick around for another couple of fights. Doubt it, but maybe that happens. But we'll see. I don't think the Holland fight happens, but if they made it, I ain't complaining at all. Let's get Brent in here. Brent. What's up, buddy? A loyal, uh, no listener here. Someday I will submit picks. Excellent. You know, just got to make sure they're not doo-doo. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to UFC this weekend, I think the co-main event is for sure the most interesting fight. Uh, I'm a fan of Rachmanov, but not super familiar with him. What would you say are his strengths versus Hamzat Chemaev's strengths? And what do you think a fight would look like between them right now? Uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, I mean, that that is the comparison everyone is seeming seems to keep making with Rachmanov. I just, Rachmanov is just such a mystery right now. Shamayev just comes out and says these things and puts himself out there and makes predictions and says he's going to smash everybody. Rachmanov is just going out there and just murking dudes. And he's had a pretty good strength of schedule. And if you compare the first few fights for Rachmanov compared to the first few fights of Shamayev, Rachmanov has clearly fought the better competition. And it's not even close. Now, obviously, you add Gilbert Burns to the mix. That changes the weight a little bit. But now he gets... Neil Magny, which is a super tough fight. We'll see. I, I think we're going to have more answers on the Rachmanov thing come Saturday night. Once that fight ends, maybe early Sunday morning, depending on the pacing of this card. But if he goes out there and just runs Neil Magny over, boy, oh boy, do we have something there. Maybe he becomes from a, at least a, a technical, a stylistic and in cage product. Maybe he comes even more interesting than Shemaev. 
maybe not the whole package because Shamayev, you know, has that personality. He's got the Darren Till factor. He's so close to fighting for a title right now. But Rachmanov certainly puts himself into the discussion. Rachmanov's wrestling is outstanding. His grappling is tremendous. He could strike, but we we really saw the striking in his last fight. He's throwing spinning stuff, and it's landing. It's knocking guys out. So Rachmanov is a very complete fighter. This was the fight to make. Love it. UFC did really well here. The managers did really well here. This is 100% the fight to make. And I'm just, I'm fascinated to see what comes out of it, really. Viking MMA. Let's get Mr. Viking MMA in here. It usually takes a minute to get the circle to stop spinning. Viking! Hello. Good, how are you? What's that? Is it your birthday today? It is not my birthday. It's AK's birthday every day, though. All right, all right. I just want to know about Amanda Nunes and Julia and that fight. I mean, I just want to know how good Amanda Nunes is on ground and what are her chances to win the fight? She looks good. Thank you, she, Viking. Uh, she looks... Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, man. No. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh... Skill for skill, Amanda Nunes should win this fight, and she probably should have won the first fight. But this wasn't skill for skill. This was Juliana Pena weathering the storm, getting Amanda tired, just taking a whole bunch of punishment, and Juliana took advantage of it and just took an exhausted Amanda Nunes and just ran her ass over. And there's a chance that that happens again. I would say Amanda's going to be... Her cardio will be at a much different level. She'll approach this fight in a different way. And sometimes in a world where we look at fighters and we put them on paper, we put their skills versus the other skills, we try. it's hard to fathom how one fighter can beat the other in certain instances, and this is probably one of them. But there's also a thing that's been proven over time that sometimes a fighter just got your number. Sometimes a fighter just has your number. So far, Volkanovski has had Max Holloway's number through two fights. Although the second fight was really close, sometimes a fighter just has your number. And maybe Juliana Pena has Amanda's number. I don't know. Interesting fight. I know the UFC is going to shove this whole narrative of they were the coaches on the Ultimate Fighter down our throats, which I don't care at all. I haven't watched second one of The Ultimate Fighter. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I've heard there's been some awful judging and a lot of craziness. I just, it, I just, I just don't care. I'm glad the fighters get an opportunity and they get a chance to, you know, whoever actually watches the show can recognize them. But I mean, how many new viewers is this friggin' show getting, honestly? Like, how many? Four? It can't be more. I mean, come on. The show has not involved, evolved since season one. It's just so frustrating. We could do so much. So we could have so much more fun with the Ultimate Fighter. Maybe that'll be a topic on the show one of these days. Let's hear from the man himself, the birthday boy. He's got to be like fourteen thousand years old at this point. Hi, buddy. First of all, it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. I like how uh, Viking MMA. You did the right thing. I like he just blew past it. You're like, oh, it's actually AK's birthday. He's like, okay, whatever. Moving on. That's no. That was the right thing to do. First of all, I mean, you know I'm listening, my best friend. I feel like you summoned me with your Ultimate Fighter 30 slander. 
You was this in, was this on purpose? Did you mean to draw me up? No, if if I mean you're in, so I mean now that you're here, please, for the love of God, sell me okay. on the Ultimate Fighter 30. Make me watch one second of it. Maybe make me at least turn right. it on and try. First of all, the judging has not been bad. I see. I saw a lot of the, some of that chat at the chat. The judging has been perfectly fine. It's just weird because there's two round fights, and it, and it feels like it feels like if any fight is close, it's like why not just do a third round? For, for anyone who doesn't watch the Ultimate Fighter anymore, uh, which is a lot of people they only do two round fights, you know, I guess to minimize injury and things like that. And then if the, you know, if it's tied after two rounds, then they go to sudden victory. And this isn't anything new. I think they've been doing this since probably the, since the series was still in single digits. But again, I know a lot of people are, are lapsed ultimate fighter fans, which just say, it hurts me to say that that's a thing. Uh, I can't, Mike, I can't tell you on this. I can't. Um, I love the <laughs> ultimate fighter. I believe in it in principle. I still think it's a fun sort of weekly show to turn into. Uh, but yeah, they just haven't innovated or changed it at all in the last 10, maybe the past dozen iterations of the show, which is just like the fact that it's a show that nobody watches means you, they should feel more at liberty to kind of take chances to mess with the format. Like when they did the, um, I know this is probably hard to organize, when they did the uh, team, the, the Black Zillions versus uh, American Top Team, that was great. It was such, it was, it was interesting. They had two coaches. Uh, one of them was Dan Lambert, of course, AEW guy now, who like were there was genuine animosity and could speak up well for their fighters and and cut promos for their fighters and things. So that was that was a good part of it. Um, uh, when they did the uh, ultimate uh, the flyweights, when they had the, all the flyweight champions from different regional promotions and international promotions, that was a really good idea. So I know they can't do that every time. I understand that, but the fact that they don't even try, like the last two editions, they just didn't try to eat. Like they just tried it out. Whoever you know, they thought the coaches would kind of sell it. They had Ortega and Volkanovski last time. Now they got Nunes and Pena. And it, 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 again, I've been saying for the longest time that just doesn't. That's not part of the appeal for me. I don't need to see uh, championship contender coaches on the show. It just doesn't make sense. And then the talent wise, with respect to everyone on the season, I mean, people aren't dumb. Like you know, they can look up these fighters' records. How excited are fans supposed to be when they look up and see someone's four and one going into the show, five and two? two and one there's like multiple people with only three or four pro fights in this card like what are you selling at this point i don't understand are you are you like what is the tournament winner what does it even mean it's a cool thing to have on the resume but again people are not dumb you know M mma fans as much as we sometimes have a contentious relationship with them like mma fans are smart all right you cannot sell them you cannot for the most part are smart you cannot sell them this this bill of goods so i don't know i love the show for everyone else who's still watching it obviously guys we're in this together um but yeah, I, I have no idea how to how to tell people like, oh, they should be watching Ultimate Fighter now because in its current state, it's just kind of outdated. And I hope one day they make changes in the future. But there's a good. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if just out of nowhere they said, yeah, Ultimate 40, Ultimate Fighter Thirty is the last season. We're good. I hope that doesn't happen. But would anyone surpri be surprised or even noticed if that happened? <laughs> it's a great question, AK. Thank you, Mike, best friend. I appreciate you. I, I'm going to make just one easy suggestion to the Ultimate Fighter to make it something I would watch more of, okay? And here it is. Instead of the coaches picking each fight, let's just say, hey, Team Pena, you get to make the pick for this next fight. And they pick the fighter, okay? Instead of them choosing the opponent, just put a wheel up and let them spin the wheel of mystery, and whoever it lands on, that's how you have to fight. Like, I love that idea. Like, let's do something. Like, 
Everybody loves wheels. Everybody loves wheels. Everybody loves some sort of game show mentality. It doesn't take anything away from the show because we're still going to have the reality concept. We're still going to watch them train. We're still going to watch a fight at the end of the episode. But I would tune in specifically just to watch a, a wheel spin. Who's the wheel going to land on? And I don't care if it's I don't I don't care if it's between the last two fighters. If if Chandler Cole is the last heavyweight against somebody else, just put that person the one person's name left on the other team on the wheel eight times, or put like a, a slot on the wheel that's like he automatically wins and moves up to the next round. Like let's just have some fun with it. Incorporate a wheel, and it, it makes things better. I love it. All right, Julio. You're up. How's it going? Good, good. I don't know if I'm just a diehard UFC fan or I have nothing else to do, but I I always watch the Ultimate Fighters. Like, if there's absolutely nothing else to watch, it's like, why not just watch some MMA? Like, I don't care about the, the backstory of what they're saying in the house or whatever. Like, I just want to watch the fights. And even sometimes I just skip it to the fights. But I don't know. that That's just me. I... I'm actually going to the San Diego card, and I'm a little disappointed that the card doesn't seem like it's going to be that great, except for, you know, Dominic Cruz, Cheeto Vera, and Alexa Grasso. So my question is, do you happen to know any other fights that could potentially be on that card? Uh, let me see what we have thus far. Thank you for the call, and hopefully you enjoy a night of fights in beautiful San Diego. Let's pull up this card as it stands right now. Now, as of now, there's only eight fights, so we could add some some good good to this. So we got Vera versus Cruz. We got Devin Clark versus Azamat Mirzakhanov, who is an exciting prospect. Aspen Ladd, Sarah McMahon, Alexa Grasso, Viviani Arujo is a great fight. Yasmin Juraguay versus Estella Nunes. I believe it's Yasmin's UFC debut. Gerald Mearshart, Bruno Silva is a fun-ass fight. Lucas Bresky, Martin Boudet, Alan Asamanto versus Malcolm Gordon. That's a fun fight. There you go, AK. Some, some Canadian love in San Diego. So there's eight fights. There'll be at least four more added to it. So let's just stay positive. I don't know if you're going to get anything super special, but maybe throw another banger on there. Maybe, maybe Kevin Holland goes to San Diego. Maybe Joaquin Buckley goes to San Diego. Maybe... Adrian Yanez goes to San, Di- San Diego. Maybe, I don't know. Sky, there's plenty of space, but Veracruz is so good. That is a great fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. Patrick. Are you there? Patrick, Vinny, Emilio, Taylor, they will go back to Brenton Viking MMA if they want to ask some more. Patrick, what's up, buddy? Uh-oh. Try again, Patrick. We'll get you in. Vinny. Vinny Aldana. What's up? Unmute. I don't hear anything. Uh Uh-oh. Apologies for Twitter space awfulness. Try again, Taylor. Or, yeah, whoever. The last two that didn't get in, keep trying. Emilio. There we go. Hello. Hello, buddy. <laughs> what's up, Mike? Hey, what's, uh, what's you doing? going on, man? What's going on, man? Uh, it's been, what, is, is this the third day of the week 
where uh, you know you've done heck of a morning and <laughs> i remember the last two times that i uh, wanted to speak uh, i got to speak almost instantly and now it's like 10 freaking people uh, lining up at least uh, so good good to see that you're getting the traffic that you deserve first of all thank you my friend um, second of all i wanted to talk about next weekend's card um, which is UFC 276, uh, the prelims specifically, um, or early prelims, actually. The futured early prelim, at, at least according to um, Google, is, uh, what, Andre Muniz against Raya Hall. Um, mm -hmm. And then two fights earlier, uh, Brad Tavares is uh, squaring off against Ricker Suplicis. So these are two... In my opinion, very under the radar middleweight fights. Um, specifically, looking at Andre Muniz and Drukas Duplessis, who do you think has the highest ceiling in the middleweight division? And um, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's it. I'm just very hyped on uh, both of them. Um, just wanted to hear your take on it. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Thank you, Emilio, and thank you for the kind words. Yes, I like, I mean, I'm high on both of those guys. <sighs> Higher ceiling. I think, I think Muniz is going to make his run right now. I think Muniz is in the middle of his run. And not saying that, you know, he can take a loss and can't get back, but I feel like if Muniz is going to do something and get into a top five spot, get into a title fight. Like he's got to do it now on this run. Like this is the time to do it. So I think Muniz is more right now in terms of ceilings, 32, he's going to be 33 in February. So, I mean, it's not like he's super old or anything. And then Duplessis is, is only 28. So he's still got some time. I think overall, like who we're going to be talking about in the title picture in five years, probably Duplessis, but who we're going to be talking about in the title picture in the next year to 18 months, probably Andre Muniz. I think he's, listen, Uriah Hall's no pushover. Neither is Brad Tavares. I think Muniz probably rolls Uriah Hall. I think, and I don't want to say one takedown and it's over because Uriah's been in there. He's experienced. He's actually got more MMA experience than Andre Muniz has at this point, but not by much. But I feel like there's just such a discrepancy on the ground with Andre Muniz. And he's just been that guy that, you know, I said this about Glover against Yuri Prohashka. One takedown and it's over. But I feel like Muniz in almost all of his fights, if he gets you down, it's done. And you can try to defend it all you want. And he's just so slick down there. So love both of those fights. These are the right matchups for both guys, in my opinion. But I feel like Duplessis has the bigger ceiling over the next five years. But Muniz is ceiling his path to the title is going to be shorter than Drickus Duplessis, if that makes any sense. But I'm, I'm super high on both guys and excited to see both of those fights. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. 
and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick, do we have you? Taylor, you're next. Mike. Patrick. I got it. Um, I'm working on a little branding here. I'm coming at you with uh, Tricks Picks. I got some quick hitters from last weekend's action. Uh, I've got a new nickname for Tony Dirty American Kelly. Um, The Gurum... Damir Ismagulov fight. Ismagulov has the Marlon Vera genes. He's got the mutant healing factor because how did he not show any damage at the end of that thing, man? Guram was hitting him literally with elbows in the first round, and Guram's face was all beat up. But I think Guram landed the cleaner shots, but yet his face, uh, Ismagulov's face just looked like um it just it looked like putty and it was fine it looked like it was a little bit moldable you know what i mean um and emmett how could josh emmett literally say he's the best featherweight in the world with one eye he's like maybe the best featherweight in the ultimate fighting cyclops championship they, they, he literally looked like a cyclops in it at the end of that um yeah, I think Cater uh, did enough defensively to, uh, you know, Emmett never landed any of those big shots clean. So I don't know what the fuck those judges were thinking. Uh, and then Cormier, with the whole the whole argument about the bias thing, I thought of something recently that is totally biased from him, where um, he's big on Makhachev. You know, he's big on correcting everyone on Makhachev. It's Makhachev. It's not Makachev, which is kind of the standard American pronunciation. Like, that's just the default way that we would say that when we read it. Or Rachmanov. It's not, I guess it's not Rachmanov. It's Rachmanov. But no one ever corrects anyone on that. And the biggest thing is uh, Adisanya. Like, how do you not say Adisanya? And I think that's so uh, hypocritical of, of the UFC and the commentators to not put in their work and uh, and actually pronounce his name the way that it is pronounced. Um, and I would put a little sprinkle on Magni by decision at plus 500 uh, for this upcoming weekend. I think, uh, I mean, if you want to parlay um, Rachmanoff, and I would definitely hedge and do a little sprinkling of Magni plus 500 decision. Um, and then I was thinking about the, the ultimate fighter. The thing with ultimate fighter is it's, it's just not real, you know, reality TV in, um, on TV hasn't been real 
um, for, I don't know, since like the real world season three or whatever. You know what I mean? Ever since they had the threesome in the hot tub in the real world Miami back in the day, it was all just like everyone was trying to do the most outrageous shit just to like um, get ratings, you know, and that's what it turned into. But I think they should somehow expand do a little bit more promotional feature bio uh biography get to know the fighters um like follow along with the fighters for the content uh the contender series and you could even kind of do a thing where you have like some coaches uh some fighters come down and like mentor or coach or invite some of the um some of the contender series fighters into their gyms. Um, you can even do something fun where the gyms have like a draft and they pick the um, almost like an expansion league or something where they go and they, they, they watch the fights and then they, uh, they pick the fighters to come welcome them into their gym and train with them. Um, we call it a C league. And I've never been to Vegas either, and I'm psyched for you to go out to Vegas. Um, the only way I would go to Vegas is uh, next year, International Fight Week, heck of a morning live. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Patch. Oh, yeah. Good kids well, on. What about uh, Boston, heck of a morning live, too? little homecoming? Would love. To, I would love to do... Uh... Thank you, Patrick. I got to move on. I appreciate that. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I would love to do. I would love to make it a thing where I do a live show like at a venue. It doesn't need to be anything big. I don't need to be like on a Joe Rogan stage. Like you just go to like a freaking Buffalo Wild Wings with a couple of speakers and like 80 people and just give me a live microphone and I'm fine. Like I've done that pretty much my whole life. Just give me a live mic. I'll figure it out. I'll bring some fighters. We would just have some fun, do some different things. Maybe we do BTL live. Like that'd be a great show to do live and just let the fans in the building sort of applaud who wins each round. Like do a MMA game show with fighters. Like there's lots of things on the, in this crazy little mind of mine that I would love to do. If we could do live shows, man, that would, that'd be the best. I would love to do that. All right, Taylor, you're up. Jimmy, you're next. You're right, Colt Yorker. What's up, buddy? I got you. Two things. Uh, firstly, I want to get your take on um, the Cyborg's response to Carter Zingano, because for me, that's one of the all-time great Twitter burials. If people haven't seen that, they need to check it out. It's absolutely just mauls Zingano with one tweet. And then, um, secondly, uh, I want to ask you about... Uh, just what I asked yesterday when we were talking about uh, Primo and Pedro and Sean O'Malley and what the greatest nickname anointed by a rival fighter is. So I just want to get your take on that. Uh, thank you, buddy. Um, I'll answer the first question. So here, if you missed this, Katzengano is obviously fighting tomorrow. She's fighting Pam Sorensen. Big fight in the women's featherweight division. She was obviously asked, and I've asked her why the Chris Cyborg fight wasn't made, and she has told she has been consistent and said that it's never been officially offered to her. But one thing she wants is that 
she wants drug testing. She wants independent drug testing to make sure it's a fair fight. So Katzengano said what she said to me today. We wrote about it. And then Chris Cyborg quote tweeted our thing and said, Katzengano, 9-0 with wins over Misha and Nunez, enters USADA in 2015 and goes 1-4 competing. Now she's 2-0 after leaving USADA and fighting on YouTube Friday night and thinks I care what she wants. She bodied Kat on social media. Maybe I'll give her benefit of the doubt that she was the one who wrote that, but I don't think it was her who wrote that, but it could be. It could be. And either way, that was just, that's a 10-8 round right there. Well done. But at the same token, you're planting seeds. And if Kat Zagano beats Pam Sorensen tomorrow, you have to make that fight. Of course, you have to re-sign Chris first, but that's the fight you make. I love that idea, and that was just tremendous social media-ing. By Chris Cyborg. Jimmy Wang Yang. No. Try again, Jimmy. We'll get you in. Indigo, then Terrence. Indigo. Morning, buddy. Um, Sorry, you caught me off guard. <laughs> um, firstly, uh, shout out AK. He's always here. Um, what a legend. Uh, secondly, this is more of a statement uh, to the UFC, I guess. Put Laura Sanko on commentary already. I don't understand why they haven't. They already know how good she is. She was on uh, Contender Series doing it, I'm pretty sure. And I think I've heard her do it somewhere else also. Um, it's not like she has to replace any of the commentators that are doing it now. But like they can definitely squeeze her in. Um and I know, you know, I think that she'll probably do a lot better than them. But uh, anyway, thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I agree with you. Laura, Laura would be fantastic. She was great on the Contender Series. She's been, from what I understand, I didn't watch a whole lot of the Road to the UFC stuff because I gotta, I gotta take a little bit of a breather from the sport at some point. I can't, I can't just stay up till f you know five, six in the morning to watch MMA every single day. I just, I gotta be able to separate myself from it. I can't be Mr. MMA 24-7. I just can't do it. So, but from what I understand, Laura did a tremendous job with John Gooden, who also does a tremendous job. I'd love to see John Gooden making making some more appearances on these broadcasts, but it's a tough spot because John Anik is one of the best. John Anik is the best in MMA and one of the best in sports in general. And I've said this many times, you, if John Anik got a call tomorrow to go do football, a football game that took place tomorrow, like a Monday night football game, Anik would step right in there and slay it. He would absolutely crush it. But Laura's going to get her shot. Anik's been a big advocate of her. I think everybody's been a big ad advocate of her. She'll get her chance. I agree with everything you say, and I think most people would agree with everything you say. Laura's going to get her opportunity, and when she does, she is going to absolutely crush it. Terrence, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Mike? Good morning. Good morning. Um, so... With all the Ultimate uh, Fighter, I wasn't going to speak today, but um, when y'all talking about the Ultimate Fighter, I always have crazy ideas, um, as you know. Um, so one thing that uh, make you interested in, as well as other people interested in the Ultimate Fighter and will make Cubs Swanson happy is Ultimate Fighter partnering up with Alta and you guys do MMA Media versus MMA Media. And 
I would pick them as like my number one seed. So I, they probably wouldn't be good as actual fighters because they already have experience. So you have EKC as like a coach and you have Laura Cinco as a coach. Because if not, they're pretty sure they'll be number one on everybody's team. And <laughs> and then from there, you have participants uh, from MMA media. Yeah, I see a lot of people are doing it now. Um, who would be your pick if you were Dana White to be on the show? And um, would it make you interested? Um, I know it's a little bit gimmicky, but I think we need something like that to bring new eyes to the table. And as well as interesting, oh, not interesting, but um, existing eyes that have watched it in the past come back. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. It's an interesting idea, but really all you're doing with that idea is you're doing literally the same thing because outside of AK and people who are actually covering it, very few are watching it from a casual basis. And those who are watching it are mostly watching because they are friends or acquaintances with a fighter who is actually on the show. So in my eyes, I would definitely watch the media one because I know a lot of them. And the first person I would pick is probably someone who would be on the show anyhow, and it would be Oscar Willis. His personality alone would make me want to watch. Hanging around with that guy is an adventure and it is super ridiculously fun. So he'd be my number one choice for sure. I don't think it would do well in the ratings. I would be a part of it. I wouldn't fight. I wouldn't do it. My wife would probably leave me if I did. But I'd love to be on there in some capacity. Maybe I could be the narrator or the host. Like if Dana's not around, I could be the guy that like kind of runs the show on that sense. Hey, it's your pick. Hey, here's the coin flip. Spin the wheel. Then you can see who you fight because the wheel's coming. Even with that idea, the wheel's coming. But we're definitely incorporating a wheel. But it'd be interesting. It wouldn't change much, but it could because again, we're in the same position where it's just like friends and people who know these people are going to watch most MMA fans are going to be like, what the hell are we watching right now? But I like the way you're thinking outside the box. Jimmy Wang Yang. Do we have you? Hey, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we got I you. I had some technical difficulties. How you doing, Mike? I'm good, man. That's good. So I wanted to, uh, I had like four questions. Uh, first one, not really questions, some statements and questions. The ultimate fighter one, I think, What's missing from this season is the drama. You know, the in-house drama, the fighting, the the storylines. That's what really make up the Ultimate Fighter. It be the storylines, because it's, it's a show about fighting, so it's naturally entertaining. Naturally, it's going to be entertaining. But the, I think from this season, a lot of the drama is missing from the from the episodes. Like, there's not a lot of in-house fighting and stuff. So it's really just we're just watching the fighters prepare and then fight. And then, you know, a matchup that I think would be interesting if he could make his way through 185, Kevin Holland versus Israel Adesanya. I think that could be a good matchup, not only in the octagon, but outside the octagon with the promotion and how everybody likes fights to be promoted. I think that would be a good promoted fight from them two going the back and forth that you would get from them two as witty as they are. I think that would be a good fight. And then Volk put up a – Volk was – he did like a – there was a, a press conference, and he said he wanted to fight Charles. And I wanted to ask you, so if he does beat Max, does that leave Emmett not with a title shot and he just moves up and get Charles? Good morning, right? Thank you. Thanks, buddy. 
The ultimate fighter idea. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't care. I mean, some people care about the drama. It sells. Some people don't. I watched the ultimate fighter the first season because Diego Sanchez was such a, a weirdo and I didn't care about the fights in the house, but I wanted to see what Diego was going to do. The guy was just, he's just doing yoga and weird places. Like he's just doing headstands in the middle of the freaking house. Like he's doing all these different things. And he's the reason I watched the show to begin with. So yeah, you need to have interesting characters. Yeah. You need to have some drama. I think there was some drama last season and nobody cared what I would like to see them do. I, here's another good idea. The wheel is the best idea possible because it's easy and it doesn't change anything. The UFC could still have their cake and eat it too. We're adding a wrinkle. You're saying we didn't evolve the show. Here's the, the ultimate fighter mystery wheel. Woohoo. And I'd watch that. I would watch a show just for the wheel. Let's go. But the first couple episodes of tough should be like the first couple episodes of American idol. And I'm not saying you go out in front of like three people sitting at a table. What they should do is they should figure out, you figure out the weight classes you're going to do these events at, right? We're going to do Bantamweight, middleweight. We're going to do women's flyweight and whatever. And what you do is for like six months, when you have this plan in mind, you find these regional shows, you have your own network that hosts a whole bunch of them and you declare certain fights as ultimate fighter tryout fights. Like you go on there, you do your job, you get a quick finish, you have an impressive fight, you get a spot on the show. So it's not like the fighters wait in line and they sing a song for Dana White and Sean Shelby and stuff. No. And I'm not saying Dana has to go to all these events, but like send a, a, USC, a UFC talent scout, send Forrest freaking Griffin, send Matt Sarah, send Dean Thomas. Just have them go watch fights. Like have them come under the radar. Don't announce it. Don't announce it. Don't make a poster saying Dean Thomas is coming for ultimate fight. Like just put it on the big board. Oh yeah. This fight's coming up at CES. This fight's coming up at LFA. This fight's coming up at cage Titans. We're going to send so-and-so out to watch it. And if he likes what he sees, we'll bring him on and just record it. Like that's fun. Like how they get it is, is, is fun. I like that idea. And then we just go from there. That's, that's, that's different. That's drama in my eyes. Let's see who, who earns the spot. And maybe sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. But that's also the part of the, the fun drama that can happen. The Kevin Holland Adesanya idea, maybe. I love Holland at 170, so I don't want to see him back at 185 anytime soon. He looks great at 170. This is his weight class. So, yeah, don't go anywhere. Stay at 170. And, you know, if he wins the belt and has a run, Maybe maybe he jumps up, champion versus champion. But Asani might go to 205, so I don't know. We'll see. I'd watch it if it happened. Vinny, are you there? Vinny! All right. Chris. We're going to wrap up soon, by the way. I guess I'm going to be speaking to a, a UFC 276 combatant very shortly. Chris, are you there? All right. I think this is a sign from the from the MMA media gods. Taylor. Look at Mike. Hello. I just want to tell him I think that idea is absolutely magnificent. With like the audition style and that 
pretty much what they do with Dana White is looking for a fight anyway, so they, which it seems to be really successful online. So if they could just cut out the stuff of like going kayaking or whatever and, and keep that same silliness of visiting fights and that audition, so I, I, they've already got the yeah. format there to add. I think you've got a gold dust idea there. Yeah, bring, you know, bring like the, uh, anybody who watched pro wrestling in the 90s, I was a big mark for ECW. Loved ECW. And sometimes the, like the ECW shows, you'd have what they, they would just bring like, one of the cameramen would bring just like a little handheld VHS camera and he would, they'd call it the fan cam. Like just do fan cam footage of these fights. Like just take, steal the PFL's ref helmet and just have Dean Thomas wear the damn ref helmet. Like, that's fun. That's fun. Just get his view and get his reactions to stuff. Like, and that's another guy who probably deserves more camera time, if we're being honest, is Dean Thomas. He's done friggin' her, a tremendous job on those broadcasts. Chris, do we have you? Mike, what's going on? Hey, buddy. You're the man. Uh, down with POP. I see he's in here as well. Uh <laughs> Change of subject, if that's okay, real quick. Uh, curious what your favorite uh, recently announced Bantamweight fight is out of those, the big four. You know, Song versus Sanhagen, the title fight, Aldo Marab, and then Cruz Cheeto. Thanks, Mike. You're the man. Man, that's like asking, like, which one of your kids is your favorite? It's Aldo Marab, probably, just because I'm just so interested in both of those guys right now. Although... You can make a strong case he should be fighting for the belt right now. It should be Aldo versus Aljo for the title, but looks like TJ's getting in there. I love Cruz Vera. I love Sandhagen, Song Yudon. I love that fight. I will say this, though. I will say this, and I've said it on the show a few times, and I'll say it again. If the UFC does this right, if the fighters are on board, the correct answer would be Piotr Jan versus Henry Cejudo. That would be the correct answer. That is the fight. That is the fight. Stop. Stop trying to change everything, Cejudo. Jan is right there for you. He's right there. He was the most recent champion outside of the current champion right now. Fight him. Make it, make it undebatable. Make it undeniable. Just go fight Peter Jan. It's right there. Oh, that would be the correct answer. But I, it, unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I don't think he'll take that fight. But I really wish he did. God, I want to see it. Toke, send us home, my friend. I got to get out of here. I got to talk to Robbie Lawler in a few minutes. A free for all Friday questions. So I'm sorry if that's a bit off topic. Because I can't be here tomorrow um, because uh, I'm going to be at a music festival headlined by Muse. So it's going to be insane. So I wanted to know what is the best concert that you've been to, the best concert experience you've had? That's a great question. I will say in my, uh, in my younger days, my teenage years, especially being in the Boston area, we were big fans of, uh, I mean, it is, and I'm not alone on this. Dave Matthews was huge. I probably seen Dave Matthews more than anybody else live. It was like a yearly thing. It was like, he would always come in like July, 
they would go to mo- usually Foxborough Stadium or it became Gillette Stadium when they re- when they built that up. So I saw Dave Matthews a bunch. Always put on a tremendous show. Always a great time. Always had interesting openers. Uh, I actually went to Houston and saw Dave Matthews once, and OAR opened for him. That was a great show. Pearl Jam is one of my all-time favorites to see live. I, Pearl Jam was the first concert I ever went to. My oldest brother at the time, and I was probably like, I think it was 10 when I saw Pearl Jam for the first time. My oldest brother had won tickets to, I don't remember, I forget which Boston Rock radio station it was. It was either WAF or WBCN at the time. And Pearl Jam was doing this like very intimate show at the Worcester Palladium. And I'd seen, like, I'd been saw ECW shows at the Palladium. It's a small venue. It's not the nicest place in the world, but the radio station in Pearl Jam and whoever sponsored it, they set it up. So like only radio station ticket winners could go to the show. And it was a Pearl Jam like acoustic. It was just a really intimate show. It was only like maybe 150 people, but my brother had won tickets the day of the show and he wanted, obviously he wanted to go, but he had to watch me because my parents were going out that night. So he had to take me to the show and it was super cool. As a 10-year-old watching Pearl Jam, playing like this cool little intimate, unplugged kind of a set. It was badass. I've seen Pearl Jam a few times. I saw Pearl Jam during like their little political tour at the TD Garden. And Tim Robbins, the actor, his band played. And Pearl Jam, they were supposed to be done at 11 p.m. Eastern. And Eddie Vedder and Tim Robbins were like, F those guys. And they played till like almost one. And they had to pay like almost a million dollars in fines. So that was pretty badass. But I will say, I think my favorite show I've ever been to because of the ambiance and just how much fun it was, I think it was 19. And I get a phone call from a buddy that I played college baseball with. And he said, hey, I have an extra ticket to go see Tom Petty. Do you want to go? And I said, hell yeah. And this is at, at the time called the Tweeter Center. I don't know what the hell it's called now, but it's like the sort of outdoor venue, but it's got sort of like a, a it's got this sort of, it's like an outdoor indoor type of feel, but golly, man, that show was so fun. Everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. Everyone was in a good mood. No one was fighting. No one was getting mad at each other. Everyone's just in good spirits. And I'm watching this like 75 year old lady smoke a blunt by herself. And she's just dancing around and having the time of her life. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, 75 years old, not a care in the world. And that's how everybody was at that show. Just having a blast. Just having a blast. So that was probably like my favorite concert. But I've seen, I mean, God, I've seen, I've seen almost everybody at this point. I haven't been to a concert in a while. I went and saw OAR maybe like two years ago with my wife. And then we're so old. (laughs) We're so old. We're like, like more than halfway through their set. We're like, oh, we're tired. Let's go. We ended up leaving early, which just shows how old we are. But I got to get out of here. You know what? Real quick, let's get Viking MMA. Let's see what he's got one last thought. He's been he's been waiting patiently. Let's see if we can get him in real quick. If it doesn't work, Viking MMA, I got to go. Come on now. Are you there? All right, didn't work. Okay. Well, that's it, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow. Fourth day in a row. Free for all Friday. 
ask anything, talk about anything, MMA or even, that's fine as well. Whatever you want to do, bring it here. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, we'll do it again. So thank you very much for listening. Again, BTL going down later on today, 3 p.m. Eastern, Jed Mishu versus Randy Costa, UFC Bantamweight. Randy's great when it comes to this panel discussion stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I'll be talking to Robbie Lawler very soon. So get ready for that. That'll be up on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. We'll have a preview show tomorrow. Getting you ready for UFC Vegas 57. People's pre-fight show Saturday. Post-fight show Saturday. On to the next one Sunday. Monday, Ariel's back with the MMA Hour. And then I'm on a plane to Las Vegas on Tuesday. But we will still be here for a heck of a morning on Tuesday. My flight from Savannah, Georgia leaves at 7.05 a.m. Eastern. But I'm going to land in Atlanta about an hour later. And then once I get all my stuff situated, we're going to do heck of a morning from the Atlanta airport for like 45 minutes before I have to catch a flight. So there you go, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, my friends. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.